on this episode of JR the P. The Hollywood actor strike. The strike has been caused by lack of government, rather lack of agreement on a new contract between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP, whatever the hell that means, disagreement over streaming residuals and regulation of self-tape auditions, studio usage of artificial intelligence to scan actors' faces to generate performances digitally. Yeah, so those are the major grievances. Don't hate the player. Don't hate the game. Don't hate anything. Nice work if you can get it. You can get it if you try. There goes Tom Cruise on his motorcycle with a fucking 22-year-old fucking TikTok star on the back of his motorcycle going off to jump off a cliff somewhere and parachute into some pussy. Parachuting into pussy at the age of 60. God bless you, Tom Cruise. I'd jump on a couch right now, but I don't own a couch. (laughs) I would jump on my couch right now in honor of you, Tom Cruise, but I don't own a couch. So that's the reality of being an actor. So um, God bless my brothers and sisters in the uh, AFTRA SAG Hollywood actor strike. Sound of freedom. Two thumbs up folks, Sound of Freedom, the record-breaking box office um, breakout of 2023, Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel and um, produced by Angel Studios, the same people behind um, The Chosen. That's a very popular biblical series uh, that's been doing very well so produced by angel studios sound of freedom so this here is an article from wikipedia sound of freedom is a 2023 american action film directed and co-written by alejandro monteverde starring jim caviezel mira servino and bill camp Caviezel plays Tim Ballard, a former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in Colombia. What, because fucking Soso says so? Because Soso says so? I told you once a long time ago, Tony, you little monkey, don't fuck with me. Who are you calling a monkey, huh? Who are you calling a monkey, huh? You want to go to war, huh? You want to go to war? I told you once a long time ago, Tony, you little monkey. Tim Ballard, a former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in Colombia. It is produced by Eduardo Verastugui. Pardon my pronunciation there. Eduardo Verastugui, who also plays a role in the film. The plot centers around Ballard's Operation Underground Railroad. Wagwan, what's happening, y'all? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 22nd in the year of our Lord 2023. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey, folks. How you doing? 
If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, and the podcast, that is, this is a show where I gob, gab, squawk, and blab about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. Yeah. Like I always try to reinforce, I'm going to be in your will someday. You know? Or maybe, um, I don't know, um, I might uh, start selling like a Ponzi scheme or something and, you know, prey on your, you know, interest and attachment to J.R. the P, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, that is. And, you know, really scam you out of every last cent. You know, a Ponzi scheme, um, I don't know, some kind of, um, you know, last will and testament. You know, your family members, those fake phony assholes that you call your family members. They'll be at your deathbed, right? And they'll gather around you. (gasps) He's dead. He's dying. Then they'll read the will. Motherfucker! He left everything, too! Jonathan Ramcharan of Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, that is. That's how touching, relevant, and um, fantastic my podcast is. You know, it really tugs at the old heartstrings, and it really has a chance of connecting with the people to the point in which they're willing to hand over their life savings to me. You know, not that I would do such a thing. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, janathan janathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know it truly is. Yes, it's hot. We're in summer, July. It's hot. If I said it before, I'll say it again. When you get squawking under them lights, boy, it gets hot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Quick sip of coffee, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Gotta have my coffee. Taking it easy, it's a Friday afternoon, fuck it, you know what I mean? You got something better to do, go do it. That's another thing, I'm trying to, like, you know, everyone is so like, you know, what? when you watch society and the key words people say, you know, if you want to do well, just do the opposite. You know, if you want to do the right thing, just do the opposite of what society does. Everyone is going off and off and off these days. You know what I love about this fighter? In MMA, he's so humble. You know what I love about this actor? They're so humble. You know what I like about this politician? They're so humble. Enough of that shit, you know? Not exactly a fucking slouch on this fucking microphone over here, right? Half these dummy fucking podcaster, comics, actors couldn't shine my fucking shoes when it comes to this fucking performer shit, all right? Sit down, shut up, and pay attention. You might fucking learn something about how to act, how to podcast, how to stand-up comic, comedic. Due diligence, integrity, and fucking um, dedication. Enough of this humble pie bullshit. Sit down, shut up, pay attention. You might fucking learn something. All right? He's so humble. Enough of that shit, as far as I'm concerned. 
Don't know why I just snapped there. Like I said, it's a Friday. You know, it's supposed to be one of the best days of the week. Anyways, now you know where I now you know where I sit. Fucking talented, and I'm not gonna fucking hide it. Let the whole world know. Oh, what the fuck? Had to fuck this up, didn't I? See, look, I'm giving away previews of what I'm going to be doing on the podcast here. See, I guess God does have a way of like telling you to shut up when it's time to shut up. I mean, that that little technical faux pas there kind of threw me for a loop. Cut me down to size. Okay, maybe I am a little humble. Every now and then I dink around and make technical errors on the podcast, so be it. I'm humble. Actually, yeah. Okay, uh, take two. Um, I'm humble. Very humble podcast. And, um, you know, from time to time we make little technical slip-ups. But that's human. That's a part of learning. I'm always open to growth and revelation and um, doing better to serve my customer better. As a podcaster, as a comedian, as an actor, and as a human being. So um, I'm always open for change and growth. And I'm, you know really trying to live in my own skin and take a humble approach to podcasting and shitting on people and roasting motherfuckers and criticizing society in general. In general, you know, criticisms. Taking a humble approach. All right. Speaking of humility, the Hollywood actors strike. These dildos have been stomping around Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Hollywood, California, I guess wherever the fuck it is, Hollywood land. There's been union strikes in the acting world. Now, a general consensus is like um, some basic grievances are like, you know, underpay. You know, like they, they feel like they're not getting paid. Certain performers, stars, co-stars, background performers, principal, guest, whatever, however you classify it, they feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. And there's a lot of content being created. Netflix, um, Crave, HBO, all these networks, you know what I mean? Um, YouTube. YouTube produces all sorts of stuff as well. I mean, I guess there's probably not many actors doing YouTube content through like an agency or through a union. But still, the, the idea of content creation in the 21st century, filmmaking in the 21st century, um, rather, I mean, there's a lot going on. A lot of actors feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick. And um, the Actors Union, Hollywood, California, on strike. So this is an article from wikipedia.com. Make sure to donate. <coughs> All right. Here we go here. So, from wikipedia.org, 2023 SAG-AFTRA strike. So, this is the 2023 SAG-AFTRA strike. Date, it started July 14th, 2023, to the present day, one week, right? It's been going on for about a week. In the United States, primarily in Los Angeles and New York City. Caused by, the strike has been caused by, lack of government, rather 
lack of agreement on a new contract between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP, whatever the hell that means, disagreement over streaming residuals and regulation of self-tape auditions, studio usage of artificial intelligence to scan actors' faces to generate performances digitally. Yeah, so those are the major grievances. Um, AI. I guess they can scan an actor's face. They get into some bum contract where they scan your face once on a contract. You get paid X amount of dollars. And then for the next umpteen years, they just reproduce your image, reproduce your image through AI. So, you know, that ain't cool. You know, actors got to eat. You know? So there's these AI developments that are kind of undercutting the actor. Disagreement over streaming residuals and regulation of self-tape auditions. Okay, so there's a lot of streaming. Netflix, Crave, Hulu, all these type of services. Well, a lot of times, from what I can gather, residuals are paid out to the actor based on views in this digital age. Well, Netflix... Hulu, Crave, a lot of these companies are withholding the views, the click-through rate. So you don't really know how many views these shows are getting. Hence, well, what is the percentage of residual? Could be right, could be wrong. That's kind of the general consensus I get. You know, like they're withholding the numbers. So the residuals on these streaming sites, you know, again, undercutting actors' payment. And then a lack of agreement on a new contract between SAG, AFTRA, and the AMPT, whatever that is, the AMPT, I don't know. So the goals of this strike are to ratify a labor contract, streaming service residual formula, address the streaming service residual formula, greater regulation of self-tape auditions. Now, self-tape auditions are like... um Due to uh, COVID, <coughs> you know, the whole uh, laptop industry or the laptop class, everything was going online. So instead of, um, and it was kind of leaning towards that anyways, I noticed for myself as an actor as well. Um, back in the day, you may have to, um, I don't know, record an audition on VHS, send it into a agency, casting director. That could take weeks. Or in-person auditions. You'd have to trek down to the to the casting office and do a audition. And, you know, in-person auditions can be very time-consuming and um, financially taxing. You know, you got to rent a space. You got to set up the oversight, the management, all that can be kind of time-consuming too and financially cumbersome for a production. Self-tape. Self-tape is like the kind of the industry standard at the moment. Actors are being asked to put themselves on self-tape, film themselves doing an audition, and send it in, email it in. And in this technology age, semi-simple. You know, you could do it on your phone, set up a little home studio situation, 
self-tape yourself and send it in. Though there's there's pushback because you know a lot of actors, um, you know, it's hard. It could be a grind, and having the resources to do a adequate self-tape, something that looks professional. Not a lot of actors have that resource. So, you know, lighting, camera, location, all that that goes into a self-taping can be a little bit cumbersome, a little financially cumbersome on an actor's pocket. And there's all these self-tape, there's all these self-tape studios. It's almost like an industry within an industry. There seems to be a lot of that, unfortunately, for the actor. There's always an industry upon the industry. If you want to become an actor, well, then you should take acting lessons and get headshots and get a self-taping studio and, um, you know, blah, 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 dialect coach, physical movement coach, blah, 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 all these fucking ka-ching, 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 all these fucking price tags popping up on an actor. It's not exactly easy. So that's another goal of the strike is to kind of, you know, regulate some of these self-tape audition situations and uh, to ratify the labor contract. You know, the ins and outs, the tit-for-tat issues facing the labor contract for SAG-AFTRA. And, you know, put the new John Hancock on it. Get a new signature, get a new deal going. The old John Hancock. You know, get some Peckerwood to revamp the labor contract. And the methods of which they're going about this is by strike action, work stoppage, and picketing. They're picketing in front of, like, you know, all the major studios, work stoppage. They're not showing up on set, stuff like that. They're striking. The strike marks the first time that actors have initiated a labor dispute in the U.S. since the 1980 actor strike. And the first time that actors and writers, don't forget those dorks, those fucking Peckerwoods, those pencil dicks, the writers, God bless them, marks the first time that actors and writers have walked out simultaneously simultaneously, since 1960. Both the 2023 SAG-AFTRA and WGA labor disputes have contributed to the biggest interruption to the American television and film industries since the impact of COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. That bears repeating. Both the 2023 SAG-AFTRA and WGA labor disputes have contributed to the biggest interruption to the American television and film industries since the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. So this is a big deal. Halting of productions, production stoppage. I mean, yo, they're pushing back, these actors and writers. And, you know, and there's media coverage of it, politicians weighing in on it, yada, yada, yada. At the moment, the strike is ongoing. 
And, um, you know, what comes to mind for me is, um, as an actor myself, um, you know, I guess I have an independent streak, though I don't really consider, like, I don't think it was ever really a conscious decision, but, you know, I went through theater school, I came up as an actor, I went out there trying to get auditions, trying to get agents, dealing with agents, dealing with auditions, did all that wackadoo for years. And somewhere around, um, I guess, 2008, 2008, so, you know, a while ago now, what is that? 12, 15 years ago or so, about 15 years ago, I was a youngster, you know, I was a very young man, like, you know, and I'd just been in the industry for a little while, and I started to notice that, you know, as a stand-up comedian, which I also am, and as an actor, I started to notice that, you know, you're often begrudged and belittled as an actor. It's a very strange industry. I mean, any other industry, you get into it and it's like, um, hey, I'm a first-year welder. I'm a first-year plumber. Any help, any direction for me? What can I do to level up? What can I do to get going? Oh, sure, yes. Go here, go there, do this, do that. Take steps A, B, C, D till you get all the way down to Z. Like, you know, there's a there's a path. There's a steps to take. Well, you know, as an actor, unfortunately, man, you get into the industry and it's all smiles and smiles and smiles. And then you're like, all right, I'm on the hunt for my first paycheck. What do I do? Fuck off. That's the answer. Go fuck yourself. Get in line, buddy, with the rest of them bums trying to make it in this game. And you can't hate the player. You got to hate the game. Or don't hate the player or hate the game. It's just the way it is, man. As an actor, you're kind of, till you build a name for yourself, you're kind of low on the totem pole. You know, your work is often considered expendable. A lot of times, it's assumed that you should work for free. You know, people will be like, yeah, why don't you just um, donate your time to the project while everybody else is getting paid? Cinema for, cinema. The videographer, cinema cinematographer, you know, all the labor, the grips, the lighting, the all these people, the transport, all these people are getting paid, yet the actor, a lot of times on productions are, oh, this is just an opportunity for you, for your demo reel. All these little Mickey Mouse cookie cutter excuses, little fucking cheap excuses not to pay for your talent. Right? So I learned that very early in my career, and um, that's what kind of spurred me on to be more independent. I was like, okay, well, if I could build a rep for myself as a comic, then I can start negotiating better work as an actor. That's how I started to look at it. If I could could get myself going independently, then I can negotiate better work for myself, as opposed to just, you know, knocking on doors, you know, you know, knocking on doors. Oh, help me, somebody, you know, like, give me a deal, give me a contract, give me an agent, give me this, give me that, help me. Now I'm going to fight for my right. You're not paying me well enough as a background actor. Like, they don't respect you at all in the beginning. That's just the way it is. And you can't hate the player. You 
can't hate the game. You can't hate anything. Um, there's an old saying in show business, and it's even an old show tune, a famous old show tune from some whack-ass musical, can't remember. But there's a saying about, um, you know, acting and, you know, filmmaking and show business. Nice work if you can get it. And you can get it if you try. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, it's nice work if you can get it. And you can get it if you try. But, yo, there ain't no guarantees and you can't go crying victim. Just the way it is. And I noticed that very early in my career. That's why I always went on to do... To try to be more independent. And, um, you know... You know, I, I, I remember, like, some of the snobbish... Like, there's a very snobbish... There's almost a very elitist, snobbish kind of aspect to unions. Are you with the union? Or are you with the union? They always want to know as an actor, are you with the union? Because you got to jump through all these damn hoops and pay all these fees and do this, that, mumbo jumbo. Yet, what does it really mean in terms of talent? It's just bureaucratical bureaucracy. Take two. It's just bureaucracy. And, you know, you're... Oftentimes, in many union situations outside of performing, um, a union is really just something that stands in the way between the employer and the employee. It makes that relationship more tense and more difficult. And it's really for the bloodsuckers, the leeches, in my opinion, generally speaking. The low lives who, you know, they want to suckle onto the teat of, you know big business and, you know, collect a paycheck for doing next to nada. You know what I mean? These type of parasites. But I have to admit, I do understand the other side of it too. As an actor, you have to have adequate rights and representation or they'll walk all over you and disrespect your uh, work. And for example, some of the things we're talking about there, um, the AI intelligence uh, situation where they're gonna scan scan your image and then reproduce you um, in infinity in continuum on these crazy contracts where they just scan your image and then reuse you and reuse you and reuse you. You know that's not fair to the actor, and um, you know and these big film studios, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Prime Video, you know, Amazon Prime, all these production houses, they're making big money, man. They're making bank. People are really into the series. You know, if you get a good series, there's tons of people who love to, you know, binge watch their favorite shows, these series. And there's a lot of interest in content like that. And, you know, these actors need to be represented and paid accordingly. Even though I, I don't suggest bedwetting and whining and crying about every damn thing. I mean, like I said, I, I made my choice. Even though I am putting my foot into the arena and trying to play the game the way the game is. Hey, man, you got to audition. You got to bust your ass. You got to, hey, you're, the, you're at the low end of the totem pole until otherwise stated. 
Your value is dictated by your ability to put butts in the seat as an actor. That's just how it is. You got to fight through and win a role, and then you have to nurture and cultivate whatever breaks that you do get. You got to be seen wherever you can. You got to hustle and bustle and build up somewhat of a fan base or a following or a, an awareness, an awareness of your craft, an awareness of you as an actor. You have to build it up somehow and nurture that, and that will dictate your value. You can't just hide behind your fucking union card and, uh, I don't get paid as much as Tom Cruise. Well, that's because you're not fucking Tom Cruise. I mean, you may be fucking him. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, you know, just because you fucked Tom Cruise and you you were in the background of Mission Impossible 10 doesn't mean, you know, you're going to get the same payment as the value that Tom Cruise brings to a production. Show me the money! Help me help you. I don't have much of a Tom Cruise impersonation, but, you know, that guy's a legend. You know, A Few Good Men, Risky Business, Mission Impossible franchise, Collateral, um, Jerry Maguire, Magnolia. I believe that was a one that he, that was a really big one of his films. I believe he was in that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. That's why I can't quite picture it. But I remember Magnolia being one of his well-known dramatic roles, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Tom Cruise. He, he got a lot of rave reviews for that one. Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick, I believe. Um, you know, Top Gun. I mean, this is Tom Cruise. He has a certain value in the industry. And a lot of these actors that they're out there picketing and whinging and whining and banging on, it's like you can't hate the player you can't hate the game. You can't hate anything. It's just the way it is. Nice work if you can get it. You can get it if you try. Yeah. And, you know, what I would like to see these actors do is, well, actually, I mean, it's up to them. But, um, you know, I, I still stand with my brethren and sisters in the fight. I am an actor as well. So, you know, I stand with them in the fight, even though you're not even going to see me picketing anytime soon. What I would think they should do is, yes, they are stopping production, they're halting, and they should show their value to these studios by, hey, yo, this is the 21st century, things are going online. I mean, yeah, you can stand around and picket on the sidewalk and make a big production of it, or you could take your cause online. Band together and make your own projects. Make a, a TV series out of the strike, you know? Get together. Hey, you know, these writers are on strike. These actors are on strike. They can come together, you know, put up some sort of Facebook page, a YouTube channel, something. Get some interest. Get some followers. Put out content, a podcast, a web series, Something like that. Show your value in real time instead of stomping around with a picket sign. Pay me more. Pay, respect me. Pay me more. Don't, you know, like... It's a little childish in this day and age, don't you think? They don't give a fuck. I mean, generally speaking. I mean, no one gives a fuck, generally speaking. So there's the rub. 
So, you know, you got to show your value in real time. Though there ain't nothing wrong with a renegotiation of a contract. I understand the point. I think it has to be two things. A discussion and a dialogue and a negotiation on these terms and these contracts. But also, I think a lot of actors and writers have to take a more realistic approach to their situation in the industry and do for themselves to get to a place where they feel their value is truly represented. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't feel my value is truly represented in the industry as it is. That's why I don't keep myself beholden to it. I do the podcast, Jonathan Ramton, the podcast. Thank you very much for your viewership. I do my stand-up comedy. I'm writing. I'm, I'm doing what I can to get myself out there to represent my value. And I'm also willing to play the game. I'm willing to stand in line and audition like everybody else. But I ain't going to go... I ain't going to go crying and whinging and banging on about the unfairness of what it is to be an actor when, yo, don't hate the player, don't hate the game, don't hate anything. Nice work if you can get it. You can get it if you try. And there goes Tom Cruise on his motorcycle with a fucking 22-year-old fucking TikTok star on the back of his motorcycle going off to jump off a cliff somewhere and parachute into some pussy. Parachuting into pussy at the age of 60. God bless you, Tom Cruise. i jump on a couch right now, but I don't own a couch. <laughs> I would jump on my couch right now in honor of you, Tom Cruise, but I don't own a couch. So that's the reality of being an actor. So um, God bless my brothers and sisters in the uh, AFTRA SAG Hollywood actor strike. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yes. Quick sip of coffee, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Ah, gotta have my coffee. Ooh. Sound of freedom. Two thumbs up, folks. Sound of Freedom. The record-breaking box office um, breakout of 2023. Sound of Freedom. Starring Jim Caviezel. And um, produced by Angel Studios. The same people behind um, The Chosen. That's a very popular biblical series. Uh, that's been doing very well. So, produced by Angel Studios. Sound of Freedom. So, this here is an article from Wikipedia. Sound of Freedom is a 2023 American action film directed and co-written by Alejandro Monteverde, starring Jim Caviezel, Mira Servino, and Bill Camp. Caviezel plays Tim Ballard, a former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in Colombia. What, because fucking so-so says so? Because so-so says so? 
I told you once a long time ago, Tony, you little monkey, don't fuck with me. Who are you calling a monkey, huh? Who are you calling a monkey, huh? You want to go to war, huh? You want to go to war? I told you once a long time ago, Tony, you little monkey. Tim Ballard, a former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in Colombia. It is produced by Eduardo Verastule. Pardon my pronunciation there. Eduardo Verastugue, who also plays a role in the film. The plot centers around Ballard's Operation Underground Railroad, though some commentators have questioned its accuracy. So, yeah. In regards to Tim Ballard, the uh, former CIA agent, um, former government agent, Tim Ballard, um, in regards to his Operation Underground Railroad, is a non-profit United States-based anti-sex trafficking organization. It has conducted multiple sting operations, some outside of the United States, and donated technological and monetary resources to law enforcement agencies that combat sex trafficking. The organization has gained popularity recently due to the release of the 2020 film Sound of Freedom about its founder, Tim Ballard, which became a box office hit in the United States. In July 2023, Ballard left his CEO position at Our, A-U-O-U-R, Our. The organization has been criticized for its conduct during sting operations for exaggerated claims regarding its work. That's some criticism from them. Pretty much unfounded, you know. I saw uh, Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel on the Jordan B. Peterson uh, podcast, the JPP podcast. Uh, you know, the thing about sex traffickers is um, they got some kind of mental uh, predilection in their pituitary gland that um, coincides with the um, conjunctivitis uh merging of the spiritual spinal column and transfigurated and transposed to the inner dimension of the anthropomorphic um, metaphysical um, floundering of the spiritual hyperical um, knowledge of the... You know, like Jordan B. Peterson? Fascinating. You know, like clinical psychologist, educator, um, online sensation... Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, I'm subscribed. Great content and a leader in this day and age. Matter of fact, I'm a Canadian. I'm a Canuck, eh? And I say uh, JBP for uh, Prime Minister. Give me a JBP and uh, peanut butter sandwich any day of the week. You know what I mean? I say JBP for fucking Prime Minister, bud. 100%. You know, no more of this. uh, Justin Trudeau. Hi, everyone. Hi, blackface. Hi, I steal from charities. I pretend to be gay just to get votes. Quick, everybody, quick, everybody. The truckers are coming. The truckers are coming. Quick, everybody, hide. Hide in the sewer. In the lay sewer. Everybody into the sewer. The truckers are coming. Those mean old truckers. Deo, 
me say day oh daylight come and me one go home six foot seven foot eight foot bunch Justine Trudeau cupcake mimbo manor legs mimbo you know get get him out of there I say Jordan B. Peterson for Prime Minister. JBP. JBP and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. All day, baby. But anyways, I saw Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel, renowned actor Jim Caviezel, um, Passion of the Christ, The Passion of the Christ, The Count of Monte Cristo, you know. I saw them on the Jordan B. Peterson podcast. And, you know, Tim was going into his operation and... uh how he, you know, he was a government agent, he was called by his faith, you know, people in his agency, they knew he was a man of faith, they knew he was a man of grit and moral principle, they called him up and, hey, we got this project for you, it's fighting and investigating these um, child sex crimes, think you'd be up for it, he took on the challenge and it, it led him down a path of like horror and it, it pulled everything out of him that he had to give his all. And, you know, it was to a point in which, you know, he felt a moral obligation to continue with the work because it really tore him up inside. I mean, he had to review these horrible child sex crime videos, child sex rape videos, essentially. He had to review them and... He had to go out and conduct sting operations, talk to these pedophiles, these pedophiles. He had to go talk to them and be around them and really get entrenched in that world. And it came to a point in which he had to make a, which he discussed on the Jordan Peterson podcast, how he, you know, came to a point in which for him to do his work even further, he wasn't getting the funding and the resources needed in his government job and he had a heart to heart with his wife and his wife according to Tim 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 says that his wife was a is a pillar his pillar his rock and she really helped him embrace that side of their faith to as a family go forward and allow for Tim to put everything on the line you know he had to quit his job go go into his own pocket and conduct these operations and Operation Underground Railroad, him being the founder of that, right? And people criticize it, but I mean, they say that it's exaggerated, but I mean, everything that he's done up until this point has been in the media, videos, confirmation of uh, court court transcripts and all that type of stuff, like documentation, it's all there. But uh, for whatever reason, and that's part of some of the Hollywood pushback. People are talking like these higher-ups and the powers that be and these ugly, evil forces in the world are really pushing back against this film for what it could potentially represent and reveal in this society. And that's why it has taken on such a that's why it's been embraced by people of faith you know I'm a Christian myself and just people of faith and just people of moral character you know just to be a moral human being and look at this and be like whoa 
something's up. You know? And Jim Caviezel himself, um, one of the best actors of his generation for sure. And in, and arguably, in my opinion, in many people's opinion, like in one of the best films ever made, The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ is undoubtedly one of the best films ever made. It's up there. You know, we talk about best films ever made. You know, it's like The Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Passion of the Christ. It's right up there. You know what I mean? And, you know, Mel. <laughs> Mel's had a checkered career, but um, God bless him. He's just like any of us, just like me. Dip back into the episode of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, episode one, on my own humble terms. You know, I ain't no saint. So, you know, I look at <laughs> some of these Mel Gibson rants. I hope you get raped by a pack of wild niggers. Ugh. <laughs> I don't care, man. I don't care. I love them anyway. God bless them. You know how it is, you know. People just say stuff when they're angry. and. But anyway, Jim Caviezel, The Passion of the Christ. Um, one of the best films ever made. Um, you know, he plays Tim Ballard. And um, as I saw them on the Jordan Peterson podcast... I heard Tim speak. That was like the first time I was hearing Tim kind of speak and learning about his message. Then you heard Jim speak. And it's like, um, it was like, wow. You know what I mean? Like he did a real great representation. And, um, you know, it had me really like, oh, okay, wow, I have to go see this film. I'm hearing the message of Tim being backed up by Angel Studios, um, starring Jim Caviezel. I'm like, wow, I have to go see this film. The message, based on a true story, fighting sex traffickers, going into that world. And I mean, like, imagine going into another country where you're the foreigner, you're an obvious target for any type of violence, any type of predator. Like, I mean, as a when you're an outsider in a foreign country, you're a target, especially in impoverished nations like, I mean, Colombia. I mean, they're a pretty poor nation, are they not? You go in there as a Guido, you go in there as a, you know, an American. I mean, you're obvious target. So, you know, he's out there risking it in Operation Underground Railroad. So anyway, I get this. I personally get this education on Tim Ballard and what's going on with the whole project. Cool. Let me go see this film. So I get down to the uh, to the movie theater. Go to see the first viewing of the day. It's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Come sidling up next to me is like a two um, gay men. They're in a monogamous relationship allegedly I guess they're a couple or something maybe a thruple you know how them get down anyway uh, they come moseying up and uh, they look at the now playing list what's now playing and they look and they go oh the little mer- look the little mermaid's playing mm, the little mermaid the little mermaid's playing 
These are like 50 to 60-year-old men. Gray hair, the whole thing. These are like 60-year-old, 50-year-old men. Mmm, the Little Mermaid's playing. You know, as a grown man, you know, you just... I mean, you gotta kind of... I mean, I like the Little Mermaid too, but, you know, I ain't gonna sidle up to a movie theater and... Mmm, the Little Mermaid! and You know what I mean? Like... Especially when a film like Sound of Freedom, like, wouldn't you look at the poster for Sound of Freedom like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. I heard about it, like, sex trafficking and how it's a major issue in this day and age in which we live. I wonder, apparently it's based on a true story and there's all this, there's all this noble cause and a ground movement behind this film. Maybe I'll go see Sound of Freedom. No. We're going to go see The Little Mermaid. You know? Anyway, I mean, judge not lest thee be judged. You know, I am a Christian, my man. I'm a Christian myself. So anyway, I buy my ticket, Sound of Freedom. I go in. And, uh, you know, I'm watching the film and first of all, Hey, Angel Studios, top-notch production. The film looked great. Cinematography was nice. Uh, The lighting, there was a lot of well-lit scenes. Just really a a pleasing-looking film. And the action was really cool, too. There was this one shot that I particularly liked. It was like a panoramic view of um, Colombia. And um, a panoramic view of Colombia, and then flying into frame was a helicopter. You know, a chopper. A chopper comes flying into frame. So that was a really cool action shot. So, you know, cine- cinematography-wise, the film looked really great. Acting-wise, hey, yo. Um, all the subsidiary characters, like, you know, the little girl, the little boy, um, some government agents, some Colombian law enforcement um an expat. There, there's this like expat, ex-drug dealer type of uh, crime fighter as well that Tim Ballard's character um, befriends. I think it's Bill Camp, actually. I might as well look it up right now. Give him some shout out. Um, let me see. Because this is my first kind of whiff of uh, this actor. And he was quite standout performance as well. Um, yes, Bill Camp, uh, Bill Camp, he plays like an expat, ex-gangster, uh, kind of like a vigilante kind of crime fighter as well, to my knowledge anyway, I, that's what I, that's what I got out of it, and, uh, yeah, he did a great portrayal of, uh, a great, uh, acting performance as well, and then Jim Caviezel obviously knocks it out of the park as, uh, Tim Ballard. So the film's looking great. The acting's top-notch. It's based on a true story. I'm getting into the world of it. And I can't help but keep in my mind that I am quite... It's 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 an enjoyable experience, but I do understand how some people... It's heavy content. And there's almost a detachment you feel. It's almost like you're watching, like, 
it's a very, um, it can be emotionally, like, you know, you heard people, you know, you heard, <laughs> like, you know, quiet weeping, and, you know, you heard different emotions and rustling throughout the film. You know, people were very drawn to it and engaged with it. I had kind of a haunted, kind of a detached feeling because Jim Caviezel made a very good point on the Jordan Peterson podcast. He said, you know, hey, you know, films of historical of historical merit, like, for example, Schindler's List. Schindler's List was a great film, but, I mean, it did come, like, 50 years too late. You know, it's talking about the, the horrors of the Holocaust, 40, 50 years removed. Well, I mean, that's all well and good, but, hey, it's over and done with, to an extent. Whereas Sound of Freedom... They're ringing the alarm bell on an ongoing situation. As we sit, as we speak, as you view this podcast, present day, July 22nd, 2023, it's an ongoing issue in the world. Human trafficking. So, you know, Jim made that point in a podcast. And it was true. And, you know, had me thinking that. And that was part of that haunted, detached feeling I was getting, even though I was very much engaged in, 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 in enjoying the film. I had a very kind of a detached kind of a feeling because it's like, oh, ooh, 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 right? Like, is this true? Is this evil true and as commonplace as, like, here's the disgusting thing. It's not just, it's, it's not just, the pedophile, that's the evil in the situation. All the subsidiary players that facilitate that type of evil. The people that procure and recruit and steal, basically steal the children from the parents to sell. The people who drive the vehicles, like these cargo vans loaded up with like 20 crying children shipping them off to be sold as sex slaves like the people who transport the victims the people who steal the victims the people who um who um i guess hold hold the victims captive before they get sold the whole enterprise It's just evil from stem to sternum. Makes you sick to your stomach, right? I'm just sitting there just like, kind of a, glad I saw it. Thoroughly entertained and glad I saw it. It was an education. It was a, it was a calling of faith to like, hey, this is an issue of the times. If you can go and hear something about it and be aware and do your part, you know, if, you know, Something as simple as just being willing to be engaged in this conversation. Like, hey, I know it's easy to turn a blind eye and it's an ugly thing, but hear us, hear us, listen to what's going on. This is an issue. I mean, why would I want to turn a blind eye to that? You know, but it was. You know, it's hard to believe when you see the scope of evil. Just, like, think about it. Somebody might not be a pedophile, but they're willing to abduct a child and sell them? To a pedophile, you're just as bad as the pedophile, correct? 
Yes or no? Yay or nay? I mean, I don't, I don't, hey, I don't touch children, but I do sell them. <laughs> what? Strange, right? And it, it's a lot of evil to take in, right? So, anyway, sound of freedom. A calling for anyone of faith, a calling of anyone of conscience, a calling for anyone of um, film going, a film goer, someone who's engaged in filmmaking. I mean, this is a great film and an important film, a must-see film if you're a film goer. I mean, or you can go see The Little Mermaid with your little buddies if that's what you're into, but like... This is an important film for any, anyone to see. Anyone should see. So, um, you know. So, um, thoroughly enjoyed myself. And once we were getting to the end of the film, you know, I was like, wow, I got to go speak about this on my podcast. And I got to go do my thing. And I'm like, hmm. I was like, oh, no, well, wait a minute, like. I'm a comedian, you know, like, you may or may not know Jonathan Ramcharan of Jonathan Ramcharan's podcast here. I'm a comedian, I'm an actor, I'm a podcaster, and my podcast takes on comedic elements. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go podcast about this and talk about it, but I mean, it's kind of hard to drum up some humor around, you know, child sex trafficking. It's not exactly easy, right? I'm like, well, how am I, I going to portray this? You know what I mean? You know, I even prayed to God about it, you know, or... I prayed to the comedy gods. Well, I mean, I am a man of faith, and a lot of these viewers of, a lot of us talking here may be people of faith. So, I mean, I guess I am monotheistic, monotheism. I mean, so I wasn't really praying to the comedy. I guess I was praying to God. God's pretty funny, too, you know what I mean? Like, just God, G-O-D. He's pretty funny. He has, like, a way of showing you how dumb you are, you know? And if you really pay attention, he's quite funny. But, so anyway, I was praying to God. I was like, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> on the podcast today, uh, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, uh, please help me be uh, as funny as... Uh, I want to be... If there's a way I can spare, let me spare. If I could spare Jim Gaviezel... Angel Studios, the whole team. If there's a way I could spare them, Lord, let me spare them from the unrelenting eye of comedy. If I can spare them, if I can save them, let me save them. Amen. I mean, I tried. I tried. You know what I mean? But God, you know, is like, oh, man, you go do y'all thing. Well, I guess he didn't say that. I just assumed. But you know what I mean? Like, like Jim, Jim Caviezel, if you're watching, or Angel Studios... I hope you guys can level with me. Like, I'm in a hell of a position. I'm in a heck of a position myself. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes as a comedian, you got to take, like, I mean, it's a part of my comedic due diligence, duty, and um, dedication to, you know, drop it like it's hot. Do my comedic thing. What I feel is humorous and what I see is my God-given gift of gab, of a, being a comedic jack and ape, Right? So I got to go up there and do my thing. And I hope you can level with me. Jim, Angel Studios, hope you guys can level with me, bud. I mean, how do you think I feel? Just take, look at it from my perspective for one minute. 
how do you think I feel? You know what I mean? You know, it's like, I got to go out here and, you know, make fun of a hero of mine, Jim Caviezel. I put him up there as one of the best actors of his generation, The Passion of the Christ. He paid Jesus Christ. He played that role with grace, dedication, grit, tenacity. I heard him talking about it on the Jordan Peterson podcast. I didn't know. I mean, I assumed there were so many. Actually, I remember I I recently watched it. I I watched it this past Christmas, I believe. And um, I remember watching it and it was like the first time after many times of viewing it that I was like, oh, like it must have been very grueling. There was a physical aspect to it. The beating scenes, the cross, the crucifixion scenes, you know, he's, you know, they drop the cross, they bang the cross and he's carrying the cross, they're banging it on him and he's, you know, there was a lot of physical gut-wrenching gore that went into that performance. He bled for that performance, right? So, you know, it's like, how do you think I feel making fun of one of, you know, uh, he's a hero of mine, Jim, I would love to work with you someday or if, you know, if I get the chance, you know, I'm kind of busy doing my thing as well, but the, you know, if an opportunity should occur, I would, I'd be open to working with Jim or, you know, I'd love to work with Jim or Angel Studios. I mean, you know, work depending, you know what I mean? It's a, you know, two-way street. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand, right? Love to work with them someday, right? And how do you think I feel making fun of heroes of mine? You know what I mean? Angel Studios, you know, the the Chosen, you know, like that's a great series that people are talking about. They're coming off the heels of Sound of Freedom, great film. Like, how do you think I feel having to, you know, chop into it a little bit here with comedic, you know? But like I said, I got a duty, due diligence, and dedication, you know, to, you know, got that gift to gab to, you know, do this comedy shit. You know what I mean? Not exactly easy on me. If, you know, I don't want to have to make fun of a hero of mine, you know? That's what a lot of um, people don't understand about comics. You don't want to do it. Anyway, let's get into it a little bit here, you know. So, first of all, I hear about Sound of Freedom. People are talking about it. It's getting a buzz. Sound of Freedom. It's about Tim Ballard, Operation Underground Railroad, human trafficking, a film of faith, a film of importance. Two thumbs up. Great reviews. Go see Sound of Freedom. I'm like, oh, sounds interesting. So I type in Sound of Freedom on Google, Sound of Freedom. Hit send. The movie poster splashes across my screen. I'm just like, I'm looking, I was like, wait a minute, is that a a same-sex couple? You know, it's like, some dude holding, like two dudes, one dude's holding, hugging on some kid, and there's another dude standing next to him, like two dudes and a kid, right? And I'm like, ah, ah, I'm like, this is this film about a same-sex couple? Sound of Freedom? The sound of a same-sex couple? That's a same-sex couple if I ever seen one. You know, two dudes hugging on a kid. I'm, ah, I'm screaming, right? I'm screaming my head off. I'm screaming bloody murder. I mean, just ask my neighbor, you know? I'm in there screaming. My neighbor's like knocking on the door. Jonathan, Jonathan, what's going on in there? I'm like, ah, ah, And he, he breaks in, right? Boom, boom, he comes to the front door, my neighbor. And he's like, Jonathan, what's going on? And I'm like, ah, ah, 
I'm pointing at my computer, right? And my neighbor, he looks at the computer, and my neighbor is like, ah! and I'm like, ah! and we're like, ah! you know, Sound of Freedom was a film about two same-sex couple, same-sex couple, you know, like if you see the movie poster, the, you know, the little kid getting hugged by some guy and some other dude standing next to him, ah! but then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm looking, right? And I'm like, Jim Caviezel. Yeah, it's Jim Caviezel. The Passion of the Christ. The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, uh, Jim... Well, Jim Caviezel's in it. It's, wait a minute. Uh, Jim Caviezel. I mean, if he's in it, it's got to be pretty good, right? I'm like, wait a minute. Jim Caviezel. And then I look even closer, and I see Angel Studios. Hey, Angel Studios. I heard of them. The Chosen. They're doing like this biblical... They did this biblical series, and... Really, really well done and well received, well produced, well acted. The Chosen. Uh, I've been meaning to check that out. I was like, wait a minute. Then I look even closer, and I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, wait, no, that's a father. That's a father and a. Okay, well, there's a father and a son, hugging on one another, and then. Well, that's like a CIA. That's like a government. That's like a special agent or something. Jim Caviezel's character. He's holding a gun. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Phew, phew, phew false alarm you know because i thought at first at first blush at first blush it looks like a film about you know some same-sex couple or some shit right ah! so i'm like okay phew sound of freedom all right and then when you watch sound of freedom um at the end jim gives a very moving speech you know it's a little bonus feature to the film jim takes the time out to do a very moving speech. And, you know, uh, I mean... First of all, one thing I noticed about Jim Caviezel, you know, like as I, as I mentioned, he's one of the greatest actors of his generation, for sure. And amongst some of the great actors of his generation, for example, like a Johnny Depp, I mean, I noticed something about Jim. Jim's got a bit of that Depp-down syndrome. You ever notice Jeff Depp? Johnny Depp has a bit of a down syndrome when it comes to, like, talking. A bit of that Depp-down syndrome is what I call it. You know, you ever... You ever see Johnny Depp in interview? Be like, all right, so uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp, uh, tell us, your fans want to know, what is your favorite color? Johnny Depp will be like, interesting enough. My uh, f- favorite color. My my favorite color is uh, oddly enough is uh, well quite turquoise. So hey, wait a minute, Johnny Depp, give it a break, all right, buddy. I've seen Edward Scissorhands. I've seen Neverland. I've seen Black Mass. I've seen Blow. I've seen. Uh, Donnie Brasco, I've seen it all, buddy. All right, you're a phenomenal actor. What's with this stuttery, stuttering Stanley routine? This stu- stuttering, stammering Stanley mumbo jumbo. Give it a break. Oh, I get it. You're so fucking talented that, you know, it's like you're a f- stuttering mess in everyday life, but get you in front of a camera and all of a sudden you're fucking fireworks, right? Same thing with James Caviezel, I noticed. You know, it's like I've seen him in Passion of the Christ. You know, the Count of Monte Cristo, all his film work through the years. Yet, when he goes to give this speech, he's a bit of a... a, bit of a hey, everyone, 
My name is Jim. It's Jim. We're here to talk about the human trafficking situation. Spit it out, Junior. What the hell you got to say, buddy? Come on. I mean, weren't you just dazzling me for the last two hours? Like, I just saw the man dazzle me for two hours. This touching, intense portrayal of Tim Ballard. I know him as one of the greatest actors of his generation, The Passion of the Christ. Now, here he is before me. My name is stuttering and stammering and going on. Come on, buddy. And again, Jim. I mean, level with me, bud. Level with me, buddy. Come on, please. I saw him on um, the Russell Brand podcast. And... um, on the Russell Brand podcast, he had mentioned that he had started his career in comedy. So come on, Jim, I hope you can level with me, bud, should you catch wind of this. I mean, I mean, you know how comedy works, buddy. I mean, at some point, there's got to be a victim. Fortunately, at this moment, you're the victim. You know what I mean? So level with me, bud. I mean, come on. I mean, I got my message that I want to get out there too, you know. I mean, sure, it's not as noble as the work you've been doing, but I mean, come on. So anyway, stuttering and making this speech. Then he goes on to quote, like, you know, how people should take action and how people can change the world. Like some of the greatest people who have changed the world. He starts naming off people and he he mentioned Steve Jobs. It's like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs? I mean, come on. That guy was a creep. Wasn't Steve Jobs a grade A creep? That was a creepazoid, wasn't he? Steve Jobs? I'm like, Steve Jobs? I mean, he's responsible for the tablet that half these fucking perverts are watching this child porn on to begin with. Wasn't for tablets, people couldn't go hide in a bush and watch kitty porn. You know what I mean? I was like, bit of a creep, isn't he? Hey, 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 hey. I don't want to go saying shit about the dead, you know what I mean? But, I don't know, from all accounts, like, a bit of a weirdo, wasn't he? Maybe not in the sense of like, you know, some of the things that we're talking about with, uh, you know, Sound of Freedom. Not a creep in that sense, but just a, I mean, you wouldn't want to work with the guy. Just those tucked in pants and them fucking John Lennon glasses. You know, you want to be around that guy, would you? I wouldn't want to be you know, a bit of a creep. Anyway, he's like singing the praises of fucking Steve Jobs. Then he goes into... um you know, Harriet Tubman, or no, he goes into um, Harriet Breacher Stowe, and he's singing the praises of um, Uncle Tom's cabin. Now, that's a contentious point, depending on what side of the aisle you sit on. Now, a lot of people consider Uncle Tom's cabin, I've read it, they consider it to be like a landmark book, landmark novel, Speaking up for racial equality and issues in, uh, you know, the United States of America and extendably the world. That's one argument. But the other argument was like, wasn't she a bit of a leftist leaning little lily livered? You know, she was a she was a race mixer. That's what she was, if you ask me. She was into that black. You know, she was getting to getting some black. You know, that's why she had to go write this book. I mean, she was just some liberal white chick who didn't know dick about dick. She didn't know diddly squat. Then she goes and writes this stupid book about, 
you know, trying to portray what it's like. Oh, Massa, I never leave your side. No way, no how, Massa. No, I'm Uncle Tom. I'm going to stay at the cow. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, sorry, boss. I Now I know, boss, you can't afford to keep me on as a slave now. But, you know, I am the reverend of this here congregation of slaves. And I will stay and be a dutiful slave to you. Free of charge, boss. Yes, I'm boss. Like Uncle Tom, he's like this reverend pillar of the community. He's like a slave. And then during the time of Uncle Tom's cabin, like slavery was on its way to getting abolished. Some people were free. Some people weren't. Some people were running away. And it's like Uncle Tom. And oddly enough, Uncle Tom, the phrase Uncle Tom, the slang, the slandering, the, I guess the insult, Uncle Tom, that insult is one that's like, oh, you're a black person that, uh, you know, you act white and you, you're against your race and you're like a, you know, you're highbrow and you're, you're whitewashed and you're a, you hate your own kind. Yeah, you hate your own kind and you go against your own kind. You're an Uncle Tom. But it's like, if you actually read the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, it's like he was a pillar of the community. He loved black people and he like... He stood up for his community and gave like spiritual guidance and support. But anyways, you know, Harriet Beecher Stowe, she was a bit of a race mixer, if you ask me. She was into that black, she was into black guys. So then, you know, she's like this liberal white chick who don't know shit about shit. She writes this fucking book. It's based on nothing. Just a bunch of her own, oh, we should be nice to people. Like, you know, it's based on mumbo jumbo. She writes this fucking book, and then everyone's like, oh, it's so great. But she was just trying to fuck black guys, you know? It was the only way she could justify it to her parents. You know, she was a race mixer. You know what I mean? And as legend has it, you know James Baldwin? James Baldwin, the the black poet, he debated, uh, you know, William F. Buckley. William F. Buckley. He was like a debater. He debated William F. Buckley. He... He was a poet. Uh, I guess he wrote some manuscript. Um, I am not your Negro. I, I, you're not my Negro. I don't want you to be my Negro. That guy's a creep. That was another creep. A grade A creep. That James Baldwin? Well, apparently, Harriet Beecher Stowe was dating James Baldwin. She turned him gay. Yeah, she turned him gay. She turned James Baldwin gay. Harriet Beecher Stowe the writer of Uncle Tom's Cabin, was dating James Baldwin and turned him gay. I am not your Negro. I don't want you to be my Negro, you fucking creep. Go, get the, go on with you. Get the hell out of here, buddy. You want to be my Negro? I don't want you to be my Negro, buddy. Get out of here, creep. Harriet Beecher Stowe turned him gay, according to some of my research. And again, according to my research. That's according to my research. Again. So anyway... Jim Caviezel, you know, he's going on and on about Uncle Tom's Cabin. And I was like, well, kind of a kind of a dumb book, isn't it? But that's one perspective. But again, like some people loved it, whatever. And then, um, you know. And then they do this thing where it's like, let's pay it forward. You know, and hey, God bless Jim Caviezel and God bless Angel Studios. I mean, this is the decent thing to do. They want to get the message out there. They want to get as many people seeing it as possible. So they created an opportunity for people, 
should they have the extra resources, they could set up sort of like a, I guess like a pay it, pay it forward system where you could buy a ticket for someone in need. That way they could go and see the film, right? But my whole, and again, that's a very decent and a decent and considerate thing to do for their audience. What other films do that, you know? You know, you never see The Incredible Hulk. Mm, I'm Hulk. Hulk smash. Hulk understand that people can't buy movie ticket to go see Hulk. And they can't go and hang out with Wolverine. Hulk, that make Hulk sad. Hulk want to buy people movie ticket. Like, you never see The Incredible Hulk buying people movie tickets, do you? Right? So... It is kind of a nice thing that they extend to, you know, accommodate their audience. Jim, Angel Studios, they set up a pay-it-forward system where you can buy a ticket for someone in need to see the film. But my whole thing is like, look, buddy, if you can't afford a $7 movie ticket, chances are you're being human trafficked your damn self. I mean, come on. You can't afford $7 to go and support a noble cause, a film about faith, a film about, you know, God, God's children. God's children are not for sale. That's one of the messages of the film. You can't spend $7 to go support a film of such nobility and importance. And I'm, chances are you're being human trafficked yourself if you don't got seven bucks to go see a movie. You know what I mean? And I'm a millennial. I get it. It's tough. It's tough. Most people can't even own their first home until who knows People are unable to own their first home like never before. Inflation, prices, prices go up, you know, jobs, this going away, that. Like it's, you know, it's not exactly the easiest time. But if you don't got seven bucks to go see a movie, come off it, you know? Two tears in a bucket, motherfucker. Just go buy a ticket. Go buy a ticket for someone else if you want to, I guess, but. Anyway, that's just my personal opinion on that. So in summation, two thumbs up. Four stars or ten stars. Stars galore. Sound of freedom. Um, you will not regret it. It's a film of importance. Well acted, well produced. And it, it deals with issues of our time. One interesting fact that they left the audience with, their fact, they say um, currently, at the time of the film being in theaters, human beings are more enslaved. There are more human beings enslaved at the present date, the time of the film being in theaters, than there has been even during slavery. There are more human beings enslaved today than there were during slavery. And again, that goes back to that, like this is a this is heavy subject matter and it's hard for people to wrap their brain around. And Tim Ballard himself, he even described that process. I mean, obviously, we're, I mean, that's God bless a man like that to do that type of work. I mean, imagine doing that every day for a living, honestly. Every day you got to go into the office and figure out a way to catch a pedophile and identify victims through their 
sex crime videos. I mean, imagine that's your job. So God bless a guy like Tim Ballard to do that type of work. And, um, and part of, and he mentioned that he mentioned how he had to, how he went through that process. Very emotional. First time he even came across this type of material. He had mentioned on the Jordan B. Peterson, on the Jordan, on the Jordan B. Peterson project podcast, on the JBP podcast. You know, he, he saw these videos and it freaked him out and he ran to his children's schools and he took them home and he was just like, you know, he held his kids close and he was just like freaked out. So it like blew his mind. So like, I mean, obviously we're not, we don't have to go into that level. The average person, we don't, we're not dealing with that type of exposure. But seeing films on this subject matter and hearing this type of subject matter, it it's hard for me to wrap my head around that statistic that there are more people enslaved today than there was during slavery. And that's why it's such a significant film. I mean, it's significant because if these issues do occur and there's no reason not to believe, these things have been camaraderated, what? Camarad? I don't know the word offhand here. These things have been um, confirmed through like, you know, court transcripts, media documentation, Tim Ballard, Underground Railroad, the work he's done, these things have been confirmed. So it's a very important film to see. Sound of Freedom. Hallelujah. Well, that about does it for another episode of Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. Certainly enjoyed speaking with y'all this good day. Many things to come here, as y'all know. I am an actor, stand-up comedian, podcaster, extraordinaire. Performer of the bone, ladies and gentlemen. Damn proud of it. Many things to come. All in a day's work. Till next time, folks. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Signing off from duty on this magnificent July 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2023. Hollywood actors strike. Sound of Freedom. There's a lot going on in the film industry. Go see it. Sound of Freedom. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, and on website, jonathan-ramtran.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out already. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. I peace.